Hello, and welcome back to the podcast, Your Life Transformed, the journey to become a better you. I'm your host, Dr. Hamilton, a surgeon, an obesity medicine and wellness doctor, a wife, a mother, a Christian, and a woman of color. On this podcast, we are going to explore many different topics in order for us to become better I created this top podcast in order to create more time to talk to my patients about things that I thought really mattered, not just hypertension and diabetes, but mental health and how to truly live your best life. Today, our topic is going to focus on self-care. I am titling this topic, Give Yourself the Best Give Ever, The Gift of Self-Care. So... We are going to define what self-care is, or the way I'm using it, some things that will help us develop a self-care routine, and then I'll give you some examples of things that I do for self-care and why I feel like it is so important. So let's start by talking about the definition. Self-care is doing something that you find enjoyable. That's pretty much the simplest term or definition, and you may find that on Google. In this day and age, self-care has been quite widely commercialized and is on commercials showing getting your hair dyed or going to the spa or drinking beer with your buddies. Those are all things that you can do to release some steam and to kind of have fun, but my definition of self-care is it goes a little bit more deep, deeper than that. Deeper than kind of the temporary pleasures that people get from doing different things. I feel like self-care needs to be a little bit more in depth. It needs to add lasting value to you and overall improve the quality of your life. So even though a bubble bath or spa can make you happy, Those things are short-lived, and heaven forbid, turning to alcohol, cupcakes and ice cream, or other superficial things to make us happy in the short term is actually a form of self-destruction, not self-care. So let's kind of dig in a little bit deeper. Self-care essentially needs to be like a self-check, a self-check-in, self-reflection, asking yourself, How are you doing? And what needs are being met or not being met? You need to be able to devote some time each day if possible and definitely each week for just kind of a self check-in and make sure that some of the needs that you have are being met. And if they're not, devote some time to make adjustments in order to fix that. And by doing this, we can ultimately be become better and we are more equipped to undergo more difficult situations. I'm sure anybody who's ever been in counseling have heard the terms um, being half full or half empty. Self-care is essentially filling up our cup, so to speak, to where when we undergo difficult times or difficult situations and we have to deplete our cup, 
We don't just fall apart, blow up, go crawl under a hole for some significant amount of time. But we deplete a little bit, we deal with it, and then we go right back to kind of our self-care methods. So let me give you some examples of what self-care can look like. If you're having a situation where you're undergoing anxiety about a certain situation or even frustration about a certain situation, a self-care method would be like a self-check-in. Like, what is really going on with this situation and why am I so anxious or frustrated about this particular situation? Could it be a unhealthy work environment that triggered it, an unhealthy home environment that triggered it? lack of sleep. And once you kind of identify some of these issues, you can make adjustments in your day or in your life in order to prevent some of these anxious situations or frustrating situations. There's times where you may just be having a bad day and spilling a cup of water can completely ruin your day. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything right. I just spilled this water. I can't even fix water for myself. Clearly, there's something else that's going on there. And part of the reason why you're responding this way is because you're not taking enough time to kind of nurture yourself. I look at self-care almost like a plant that needs to be watered in the sense that you need to be able to water it, give it sunshine when it needs it. And then other times you may need to prune it, right? So get rid of stuff that's going to be toxic to it or essentially not help it. And that's what you need to do in the area of self-care. If you're in situations that are destructive or not healthy, self-care could be getting rid of or out of that particular situation. The other thing that I look at um, self-care, I want to kind of distinguish temporary pleasures versus um, long-term and enjoyment. Self-care needs to be long-term enjoyment and not necessarily the superficial temporary pleasures that I described earlier because those things aren't long-lasting. In my practice, I call those band-aids, right? Like if I feel bad, I do something. That's a band-aid versus constantly watering yourself, attending to yourself to where you have more long-term enjoyment. I can give you some examples of things that I do because it really can be something just as simple as going outside and getting sun and a breath of fresh air. Literally, that simple. So what I would do to kind of start off is just make a list. It needs to be something that's doable and that you can integrate into your daily routine. So make a list of things that you find enjoyment in that'll take you kind of to a happy place. That'll help you feel less anxious, less frustrating, but that's healthy. Things that you can do on a regular basis. Um, Make a list of those things, and then you need to somehow integrate them into your regular routine. Some of these things may be daily. Some of it may be weekly. Other things may be monthly. The goal is to do some self-care at least twice a week in order for it to have a therapeutic effect. And we'll talk about that shortly but you want to do something that's doable. And initially you can start off with something that's fun and you may even think is silly, but do it 
and then just see how you feel. Releasing those dopamines and serotonin is the best way to kind of relieve all types of stress and anxiety. So let me give you kind of some of things that are on my list, and then we'll talk about some of the medical benefits since, after all, I am a doctor. And so I do need to tell you kind of the medical benefits of attending to self-care. So some of the things for me is coffee with a friend, which I do about maybe one to two times a month. Um, Date night with my husband, which I also do about one to two times a month. So these aren't things that I actually do weekly or daily, but there are some other things that I actually do daily, like quiet time or my prayer time. I do that probably most days. Working out for me um, is self-care because it helps me relieve a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, And I probably do that about four to five times a week. Other people may do yoga, meditation. Those are other examples. I like to journal and write. And I probably do that at least twice a week. I also listen to um, fictional healthy podcasts or ebooks. Um, and I probably do that probably daily. I listen to something um, healthy or positive, whether it's the Bible, whether it's a fictional book, um, whether it's a self improvement podcast, a building your business podcast. I listen to those daily. Um, And then I like vacationing, which I understand is expensive and a lot of people can't do, but I plan it and I look forward to the planning and then also the going and I do experiences like hanging and that's usually with my family. So instead of just sitting down watching TV, I like to create things that we can do together as a family, whether it's taking my kids on date nights. So sometimes we'll do that. We like date night. Um... Um, Me and my daughter like to go to the bakery and coffee shop and we sit down and write our book together. That's an experience that both me and her will remember. It's relaxing for me. It's self-care. I'll create games with my kids. So for me, it's kind of a combination of alone time and then spending time with others, right? We were essentially built to be in community, not to be alone. And so these are like things that I do for self-care. Your list may be different. It's personalized for everybody. And so you have to kind of sit down and find out things that will bring joy, not just a temporary pleasure, but bring joy to you and ultimately improve the quality of your life. And therefore, it should improve the quality of your relationships of people around you who you love and care about. And those are the things about self-care. So it's not necessarily, oh, I'm going to go get a haircut or I'm going to get my hair done or I'm going to go to the bar and have a drink. Those aren't necessarily things that improve the quality of your life. Those are temporary pleasures. And that's why I'm not calling those things self-care because they come, they go, and they're not really doing anything to help you grow as a person. And so when I'm able to do these things, I notice an an actual mood change for me. Like I'm happier. I'm in general a happier person when I'm able to kind of check off my things on the self-care list and my family is happier. 
um, when I don't get to do those things because I have like a tough work week, which I usually get to at least one or two of those things a week, which is why you need to have not just one or two things that you like to do and only can do once a month, but because some things are going to be more um, capable of doing it than others. And so you just have to be able to do multiple things. Um, so essentially you, uh, can write down several things that you can attend to. The other thing, um, that I want to talk about the reason why you should institute self-care. And again, I'm calling it this, but it may just be self-reflection. It may be self-attendance. I mean, you can change the term, the actual word, as long as the meaning is the same. One of the other reasons why you need to do this is because it's been proven to decrease medical risk. So doing self-care decreases the risk of stroke and heart attack. It improves overall depression, decreases anxiety and panic attacks, can improve hypertension, and even insulin resistance. And this is just by practicing self-care. And so that's a pretty cheap way in order to avoid medical problems. And the reason why it can do this is because it decreases the overall inflammation in the body, right? We've talked about on other podcasts how inflammation responses can cause all these responses in the body. And so one of the reasons why this works so well is because self-care can decrease your inflammation in the body. And then when you get in a certain situation, it decreases your overall inflammatory response to that kind of negative stimuli also. So it's just like, um, you know, we've talked about stress response and cortisol response and how that has negative effects. Well, when you do self-care, it has the opposite effects, positive effects. The other thing that has been scientifically proven is ruminating on things causes increased inflammation And it also causes um, depression. This has been scientifically proven, just like high stress levels have been proven to cause heart attacks and strokes. Rumination is a little bit more than just thinking about something. It's one of those things that you just can't let go. You think about it at night. You think about it when you wake up. It wakes you up in the night. You just kind of ruminate on it. And this has been shown scientifically to lead to increased levels of inflammation and depression. So it's like, why would you do that? And we all know that inflammation has been shown to lead to cancers in our body. And so this is one of the reasons medically indicated self-care can be a therapy. And that's why it is so important that everybody does it. In this world of just go, 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 we often don't take time for ourselves And sometimes self-care can just be saying no to something, no to something that's going to be destructive. For all of those people who just give and give and give, I understand you like giving and it's a gift, right? You do that. But there are times that you need to be able to say no in order for you to be able to recharge. You can't just give and give and give and then not recharge yourself because then it becomes frustration. And so there are times where self-care may just be saying, you know what, I'm not going to be able to do that today. I'm going to relax or 
sleep in longer or whatever the case may be. On the other hand, self-care can be saying yes to something. For all of those who avoid situations and avoid things because you're going through depression, anxiety, whatever it is that you're going through, it may be a time to say yes to something that's going to benefit you, meaning counseling, going talk to an old friend that brought you happiness that you haven't talked to, and then almost making it a regular practice to hang out with that positive person. And you'd be surprised that instead of um, feeling bad, you actually felt better. And so those are different forms of self-care. I would also go as far as saying as everyone needs to do self-care and integrate it into your daily living at least twice per week. I'm writing this prescription at least twice a week for self-care. Some days it may be more, but it can't really be less. And that's why you need to have a longer list um, in order to be able to at least touch on different aspects of things that bring you joy. I would also argue that self-care needs to be intentional. Um, We'll talk about intentional living and and other things that need to be intentional in other podcasts. But I would say self-care needs to be intentional because if you're not intentionally attending to yourself, then you're unintentionally harming yourself or causing self-harm. Let me repeat that again, because I think it's very important that you guys take this point home. If you are not intentionally watering yourself and allowing yourself to grow, then you are intentionally causing self-harm, meaning causing the weeds to come up and kind of choke your potential. And so it's really important that I know we're busy. I know we have kids or families or husbands, wives, parents that we're taking care of, whatever the case may be, you have to take time and give yourself self-care or you're going to be destroying yourself. And that's not what you want to do either. So let's kind of recap. Um, Self-care means something doing something on a regular basis that you enjoy and it's not a temporary pleasure it's not something that's self-destruction self-care needs to be something that helps improve the quality of your life that helps you grow and that ultimately equips you to better handle difficult situations self-care helps fill your cup up with good things So that when you are in situations, which we live in this world where it's going to happen, where your cup gets depleted, you're able to kind of fill it back up. Self-care needs to be consistent. From a medical standpoint, it's like therapy. It decreases inflammation in your body, which therefore improves so many other risk factors and medical problems. Self-care can be something you do by yourself or something that you can do with others, but it has to be something that's not stressful and something that you enjoy. It gets your dopamine and serotonin up. And it can be as something as little as stepping outside in the sunshine and enjoying fresh air. I'm writing a prescription for all of my listeners to attend to self-care twice a week. If you don't know where to start, just make a list of things that you enjoy doing. And then integrate it in your daily lives. It doesn't need to be stressful. It needs to be easy. 
I gave you a list of things that I do and how often that I typically do them. And then last but not least, if you don't institute self-care, then intentionally, then you're unintentionally instituting self-harm. Thank you all once again for listening to this podcast. Please take this message to heart. We see it so many times now where depression and anxiety and all these frustrations and medical problems are destroying lives. And on this journey that we're going on together, we need to institute self-care. We all are putting out a lot on a daily basis, whether it's at work, whether it's at home with our kids, our spouses, our parents. We live in that go, go, go society nowadays, but it's very important that you take time out. And guys, just so you know, like for my date night, for example, one of my date nights with my husband was literally going grocery shopping without the kids. I mean, it's it literally can just be something that simple, like something just so less stressful. We didn't have people. We didn't have them fighting. We got to get what we wanted, not just what they wanted. No screaming, no losing kids in the store. I mean, you know, clearly your kids may be well behaved, but my kids are younger and they don't like going grocery shopping and they let us know. So one of our date nights, that's what we did. We're like, yes, we get to go shopping in peace. And it was fun and enjoyable and um, not stressful. And so you can do different things. You can create an environment of self-care and stress-free, stress-free and enjoyable moments. And that's important. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the podcast. Give yourself the best gift ever, the gift of self-care. I am your host, Dr. Hamilton, and you are listening to Your Life Transformed, the journey to become a better you. Until next time, when we will continue our journey to be better, don't forget to send me a message on Facebook at abetterwaycenter.com or on our website, a betterwaycenter.com um, include any questions anything that you may want to hear on upcoming episodes I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next time goodbye hello and welcome back to the podcast your life transformed the journey to becoming a better you where we go on this journey together to become better, to learn from each other, to educate each other, and to motivate each other. I created this podcast in order to have more time, more time with my patients to talk about what truly matters in their life, in health and wellness. Today, we have a guest on our podcast, um, Maria Delenghel, and um, she is a Texas real estate agent, very successful in the DFW area, um, she does a lot of Latino customers, but all types of customers. And so welcome to the podcast. Hi, welcome. Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Um, today, the topic of our podcast is going to be called the AA meeting. And essentially, the AA meeting is going to stand for addiction and abuse. And I've brought Maria on this podcast. I've known her for a very long time. She's actually a dear friend of mine. And I have seen her go on her own journey. And so I wanted her to come on this podcast and talk about it and share her journey because that's what we're here to kind of talk about, go over each other's journeys. So Maria, you are currently in AA. Yes. And so tell us how that came about. When did you join? 
we'll start with that. Okay. Well, for me, um, alcoholism has runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father is an alcoholic. He is a functioning alcoholic, however, so alcoholism is one of those kind of things, or any addiction, is that something that you don't know it's a problem because you don't identify it, even other, though other people will bring it to your attention. Uh, growing up in that environment, I just assumed as a child, you know, my father being a provider and being a dad and all those kind of things, that that's just what adults did. Uh, I'm the youngest of four, the only female. Um, I was raised in an environment where my mother was just a housewife, you know, mother, which for me, that's such an important role in anybody's life because it requires a lot of work. It's sometimes mm-hmm. even more than a full-time job. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, so for me, I, I just, you know... My father was, I love my father. I understand as a grown woman that men wear two hats. There's the father hat, there's the husband hat. For a long time, I resented my father because I lost my mother seven years ago. And um, I felt that because of his abuse and the way he treated her, you know, cut her life short. When I lost my mother, alcohol was my kind of drug of choice. Kind of the lubricant to just make everything okay yeah but as my father i too functioning alcoholic in the sense that i never missed work i was never really called out about it Mm -hmm. um so it took me a while my first time that i went to aa was when i was 22 years old was this before or after you started drinking no so i started drinking when i was like 18 okay okay because i was always so sheltered i wanted to like live my life i was raised jehovah's witness through my mother's side yeah. So she, that, that religion is like any religion that's taken seriously and, you know, to, yeah. uh, she, but she was more of a radical. Like I, and I feel that just the way alcohol for me was kind of like my way out for her it was religion. Okay. And so, and I understand that's where the abuse and the addiction comes in because anything can be an addiction. Correct. Whether it's correct. alcohol, whether it's religion, whether it's shopping, whether it's eating, anything. Okay. Um, so 22, you went. 22, I went. And what prompted that first? At that time, so at that time, I was already out of my house. Okay. And uh, what prompted was just living a life out of control. I was, I was never allowed growing up to do anything, to go out, to date, to everything was wrong, wrong, wrong. Like, no, that's wrong, that's wrong. Um, so I, I got married. I got married to get out of my house. And you, because you were the only female. Because I was the only female. So you, and you were the, the youngest. The youngest. That was kind of like the only way for me to get out of the house. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes like looking at it, it's kind of a, like, you, you would, people would say an arranged marriage. It wasn't because I loved my husband, but it was more so because I wanted to get out. And yeah. I loved him because he was cool. My parents loved him. I just saw it kind of a ticket. Yes. So when I got out and I got married... I felt that I was able to do whatever I wanted. So the drinking came, the partying, everything. And I was yeah. like, wow. I was like a little dog that I had never been out of the cage. Yeah. So the drinking started, but I was able to manage it. My husband at the time didn't necessarily enable me or encourage it, but he was, he just didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, and because it was functioning. So it just went, it went. At 22, I got a DWI. So that's kind okay. of like a wake up call. Yeah. I went to AA, but the, you know, there's all different types of groups. So when I was 22, I just, I didn't think I had a problem. Yeah. I thought it was just me getting in trouble, being a uh, a young 20 something year old, you know? Yeah. So I didn't really pay mind to it. So life progresses. Yes. Uh, Now as a grown woman at 41 now, um, I, you know, I was in and out of relationships and I've identified that all my relationships have been a reflection of my father. Maybe not alcoholics, but dry drunks. That's what we refer to people that still have some type of emotional um, 
problems. They yeah. don't get addressed properly. They're called, we call them, we refer to them as dry drunks. Okay. And, and they've always been a, kind of a reflection of my father. And, the, and for me, just drinking and, and like numbing. Num- I understand that any addiction, like for me, drinking was like you forget about everything. And you just kind of keep moving. It's like a lubricant. It's yeah. like a lubricant. Um, so when did you recognize it kind of the second time around? So we, everybody talks about having almost like two lives. Almost I've heard right, that where right, the right. first time is just college partying, you, you know, but then the second time it's almost like a true realization. Yeah. So the second time was I, I was in a relationship for five years. It ended and it was not good. I was staying with a girlfriend of mine and she has children. I don't have any children. So when all this happened, like, I, I was continuing to drink and I was hiding it from my friend because I knew that she had teenagers. I didn't want to set a bad example yeah. and things of that nature. But I was, my ego, I've always had an ego. Yeah. And, and my ego, I, and, you know, I, would, I knew I had a problem because I would drink every day. Okay. Maybe not like to get drunk, but like I needed, like when I was at work, I was like, I can't wait to get home and have a glass of wine. Okay, so that's how you knew. Like, that's how I knew I had a problem. But when I would talk about it to my friends or somebody of trust, oh, you don't have a problem. You just like, you know, you just have a drink, relax. Yeah. Right? And I started thinking like, no, like I know I have a problem. So why don't I have a problem? Because I'm not drinking out of a brown bag and living under the yeah. bridge. Yeah. No, I know I have a problem because I can't stop. Like I can't just have one drink. Like yeah. I'll have two drinks and two drinks, three. And before you know it, I, I'm, I'm not myself. Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's for me, I know that one drink is not enough and two drinks is too many. Like it's just, yeah. When you know, and but the, the most important thing is being honest, like being honest, like with, with yourself, because for a long time, I stayed out of programs and rehab and all that, because your friends and your family, you don't have a problem, you don't, but it, I honestly feel that, that those are people that, they don't mean that, they want to encourage you, like, yeah. no, you don't have a problem, but the, the truth is that, that doesn't help, people need to really, like, be like you know what honest with themselves exactly honest and that's the hardest thing to do and like, so how did you know that you had a problem because you okay so the first step was like man i'm looking forward to getting home and having a drink I, because i wasn't I, I wasn't happy okay. i wasn't happy and i knew that i was drinking to numb, other things numb. Yeah. yeah and and because i didn't want to address certain issues because i didn't want to talk about my alcoholic father because i felt ashamed because I feel that I need to drink to become someone that I'm not. Yeah. You know, because I'm not happy with myself. Correct. But now with my A program, I am learning not only to love myself, but to really understand that that I can only have control over what I do. And and it's one day at a time. Correct. Like that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is one day at a time. And understanding that if you make a mistake, that's okay. Just keep coming back. You know, so let's back up. So you were drinking. You got a D, mm-hmm. D-U, DWI, another DWI. Yes, yes. And that I think kind of prompted you, yes. like, I and need that, to exactly. And that DWI, like, honestly, it was more like a traffic stop. It just so happened because I do real estate. I'm not saying that realtors are drunks. Yeah, but it's an it's a profession or a career that involves a lot of networking and a lot of times there's social, there's drinking, there's things Correct. of that nature. For me, like I, for a long time, was such a people pleaser. Yeah. And I felt that drinking helped me just kind of like, just take it. Take it and accept things that I didn't even want to. Like it was just, I've never been a person that has had addictions like with 
medicate prescription drugs and things like that just because it's not my thing correct in my group i have learned to love and accept not only myself but so many other people that have had the courage to be honest with themselves and and that's what you learned in the AA exactly. meeting. That's what I'm learning. I'm yeah, learning because you're still going. I'm still going through, and there's 12 steps. Like, you know, I can't yeah. mention to you. And I'm still on step three. And yeah. there's people that will take months because it's not easy. Yeah. Imagine, like, knowing, for example, okay, the best thing in the moral inventory is like, okay, I know I have a problem, but I don't want to admit it because people are not going to like me. The, the fear of rejection for me, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being accepted, the fear of like not being a certain, you know, category or not, all that kind of stuff. Like for me, it's like, I'm, I was tired. I was tired of not being myself. Yeah. I wanted to be who I know my parents raised me to be. Yeah. I know that I feel I'm embarrassed, that I feel ashamed, but those are feelings that I'm working through. Well, and that's normal feelings, right? I mean, I think that's normal. I think every point in somebody's life, they can, they do something that where they have embarrassment and shame and you're going through an alcohol addiction and you're kind of going through this journey now, but this could be related to food. It could be related to and drugs. And that's just addiction, uh, alcohol addiction, uh, approval addiction. Yeah. Approval yeah. Addiction. Correct. That's, that's because I've, common. I've done so many things out of my comfort zone for approval purposes. Yeah. Whether it's family, friends, jobs. Yeah. Boyfriend. Boyfriends, relationships, anybody, anything, yeah. you know, not being able to exercise the no muscle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. We've talked when about you don't that. exercise the no muscle, it's almost like you're being exploited. Yeah. Because you don't want to do that. And yeah. that's such an ugly feeling. Like doing things that are not in your comfort zone just to please somebody or someone or fit in or be accepted. Like it, and now going through my process and getting the help that I've had gathered the courage to do and all that. Um, I, I, I think and I'm like, man, it's like two lives in one. Because yeah, I look back correct. at my pictures before and I'm like, wow, that... I. I don't even recognize myself. Yeah. I, I, my life now is so at peace. Yeah. Like, right. I don't worry about anything but myself. I try to give... When I start getting all um, to myself, I get out of myself. By yeah. doing community work, I, I, you know, I speak to other alcoholics or someone that's suffering with any kind of addiction to let them know that... They're not alone. They're not alone, first of all. Secondly, that... We all suffer from from something, something. exactly. The, the, the only exactly. Part, the only difference between them and us is that we had the courage, yeah, to get the help that we need. Yeah, correct. That's the only difference, and and recognize it. And that recognize was your first it. step exactly. is recognizing that you had a problem. Exactly. I talk about that on some exactly. other po- podcasts. Exactly. One of the first things is what's the first step in AA? Isn't that one of the first? I made things? it that we were powerless over Oklahoma. Yeah, our lives came came unmanageable. Yeah, correct. And that, that's true. and you could you could fit that in with. Anything, anything else anything, anything yeah anything yeah i mean how many people social media yeah social yeah media, how many people cannot go like I, a day yes, a minute a an hour or checking out how many likes did i get yeah approval, correct honestly correct. i've i've done thought about everything and when, when it comes down to it it's been the approval yeah the approval like the things that we do just to get approval yeah and that comes from and from yeah where do you think that comes from for you for me it comes from like i think my dad my upbringing like my, my 
everything for my job was never good enough. Like yeah. everything, like whether the food, my mother would have everything laid out, the food wasn't hot enough. Or yeah. it was too hot, or it was not cold, Correct. or this, or Correct. the the iron. It, it was just never. And you saw perfect. that growing yes, up, yes. and then you and you know, and the truth is that I'm a lot like my father. Like I'm a narcissist. In believe it or not, I am. Yeah. But narcissist personality. What I've learned too, and like I said, I'm still learning. Yeah. I mean, nobody's ever. It's a journey. Perfect. It's a yeah. journey. So the narcissist personality is who you are. Yeah. That's like your Correct. Doing. Correct. But what you need to do is identify it correct and do and just follow the program like yeah. for example like okay one day at a time today i'm not going to try to control things because yeah, the correct. narcissist just wants to control no i'm i'm like that too and, and i i yeah. want to control i want to control if i don't like it and that's the program too like learning to let go let yeah. go and let god yeah and it, your higher power can be your God of your understanding. For me as a Christian, it's God. Correct. For a person that doesn't believe, could be the AA group. Could yeah. Could be the sponsor. Yeah. Could be, you know, Some, yeah. support, whatever. Yeah. The important thing is to get out of yourself. Yeah. Out of yourself and, and just, you know, focus on the bigger picture. Knowing that you're okay. Counting your blessings. Being grateful. Like, yeah. for me, just under, like, thinking, like, man, a year ago I was homeless. Yeah. Now, because of the group and because of just everything that I am part of, like I, I, I enjoy and I love like giving back to the community. I enjoy like the things that I didn't enjoy before because either I was drunk, I was too caught up in myself. I've missed so many things in my life. I feel like because of this disease of the alcoholism and the approval addiction, and not feeling good enough, and not feeling like when people tell me, "Oh, you know." Uh, you're this and, and you do that and you know how and how it's like it's not even about that it's about how you feel as a person and how you feel as a human being and for me when I'm not doing something that's out of myself I get too caught up on myself yeah and I start thinking like the bad thoughts the negative like yeah you know, the, the so they labels. they can come back yeah, yeah. exactly the so labels. that's why it's something that you have to do every single Correct. day every, every day every single day you know, I pray, I meditate, and then I just try to, you know, go throughout my day trying to just share yeah. you know, my experience of strength, like hope and joy. Like yeah. letting people know, like, hey, you know what, it's not a big deal. Um, honestly, for me, the walls of AA is a place where I can call home because everybody there is, I can't explain it. You you feel accepted. It's yeah, the first correct. time in my Acceptance. life where I feel accepted. Yeah, and you don't have to, like... Be get yes, anybody's approval. Yes, you can be yes, yourself. You can exactly, be who you want to be. Exactly, comfortable being. Exactly, and because another alcoholic understands. Yeah, correct. Because they've been through something exactly, similar. Exactly, or worse. Yeah, like correct. I, there's so many people that like I listen. Listening. There's so many people that have been have had to kill somebody to live. Really? Yeah. And that's why when they say two, you live two lives. I lived a life that was like a crazy life. That yeah. that person is dead. Like the person that's living now is like knows not that i know better but like i found a new way of living yeah correct and yeah. i've made some new changes yeah. and yeah. i'm trying my best the most important is not to take that drink yeah Just don't yeah take, correct that's it. and and it's a struggle each day though every day you gotta work because on it because when day. you're driving in traffic and somebody cuts you off yeah you're stressed you're, you're frustrated stressed, you see the labels and, and they make it seem so fabulous yeah like correct, women, correct, the, correct. The good looking guy yeah they sell it they portray yeah. it it just looks so glamorous yeah and, you can't go anywhere and it literally has been 
a complete child. I don't, yeah. I don't even go out. I don't put myself in those situations. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, that's important. Exactly. Not putting yourself exactly. in those situations. That's I, tough. I talk to my patients about that all the time. They have sugar cravings. They like cigarettes. They like drugs. Yeah. They like whatever. Don't put yourself in a situation yes. where there's cakes everywhere, yes. where there's people smoking, yes. drinking, parties. Yes. You know, that's yes. hard. Yes. New Year's. Especially the You holidays. know what I'm saying? It's hard, I'm sure, and for and the people holidays. People don't understand it. And I say, we call them the normies. They don't get it yeah, because they're correct. like, oh, it's one drink. It's not Yeah, yeah, yeah. And correct. the problem is, like, it's not nothing against drinking drinking yeah. is yes. just for me for, yeah, for, yes. for me yes me, me, exactly me, i have an allergy to alcohol i don't i don't drink because i'm allergic to it because one is not enough two is too many like you know i i i, I can't stop i don't know my limit yeah so because correct. i don't know my limit i rather just not do it at all correct and that's where the strength that's where the, the support comes in and things of that nature so all I can say is that, like, you have to, at the end of the day, be honest with yourself. Like Correct. Yourself, because nobody can do it for you. Yeah. You have to do the work. And it's not easy. It, and knowing it's not easy. Like, it's not going to be easy. But it's so much worth it in the end. Yes, it really is. So, you're present. Yeah. You, you, you remember. Correct. You didn't, it's you your life. Yourself, it's yes. your life that you're living. You, you didn't make your, like, a fool out of yourself. Yeah. Like, you're not the talk of the office the next yeah. day. You're yeah. Not, like, you know, just... Just all these things that we put ourselves, you, 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 um, you, you put yourself in situations where like, oh my God. And then you're thinking like, man, I'm blessed to still be here. If yeah. weren't, that's why for me, my faith in God is so unbelievably strong because yeah. if it weren't for his grace, for his mercy, I would have never landed in the, in the rooms of AA. Yeah. I would have never met the people that I've met. I have I would have never... Like, listen to the stories, the testimonies to understand, like, wow, I'm not alone. Like, yeah, correct. There's other I, I people. I love, there's other people, and everybody needs everybody. Like, yeah, it's it's, we're supposed to live in community. Exactly, exactly. So, I want to kind of switch gears just a little bit and talk about, because prior to going to AA, you were in a relationship, and I yeah. would say kind of an abusive relationship. Yes, yes. Well, you can tell me what you think. Yeah. Um, so, why do you feel women... Or men, because men could be in abusive relationships uh-huh. too. But why do you feel like that they, people put up with that in general? For me, I, I mean, everybody has their own. For yeah. me personally, I feel because I've always felt less than. Yeah, confidence. Yes. So less, yeah, low less self-esteem. Than, low self-esteem, confidence. Um, and I always have a tendency to idolize someone that I, I feel that is better than me. Yeah, okay. And that I can learn from. Yeah. And, and and I don't care what I need to do because as long as I'm under their shade, yeah. like I'm good, you know? Yeah. For me, uh, the fear is the fear. Fear, fear. Of being alone? alone. Not, not necessarily alone, but the fear of not being good enough. Yeah. The fear of... Still the like, approval thing. Approval. And, you know, and, and wanting to change people. Wanting yeah. to change people and seeing people with a certain potential to... Wanting to play God more than anything. Yeah. Like wanting to... Me, I think because I know I was raised in religion. And even though that my walk with faith is not as strong as it is... Like back then as it is now. Yeah. Um, I feel that like... That it's, it's more than anything. It, what it is is that I thought that as a Christian... You know what? If I talk to him about God. If I do this. If I do that. Like if... You know what I'm saying? They're going to change. But that is something... Yeah, people don't change. They have to change themselves. Exactly. You have to let God do his thing. Yeah. For me, it's always been like, oh, I I put things in a balance. Well, you know what? Good education. uh, Professional. All these things. Good education, professional. Things that you want. Yeah. All these kind of things. 
And then I'm like, well, it's okay. I mean, you know, he's a professional. He'll be like this. It's, I'll, I can look away if he... He talks to you crazy. If he talks to me crazy. I can look away if he has girlfriends, quote unquote, because I'm the main girlfriend. Yeah, These correct. are just friends. And yeah. You just get manipulated and believed and, and weak-minded too. You know, yeah. it's, it's about not knowing better. It's about, you know... um, this is kind of a little bit off gear, but it's no different than like exploitation. People that take advantage of people that yeah, are, that correct. don't know better. Yes, you know? correct. And people that don't know better, like for me, it's not that I didn't know better because I'm an adult and I know. Yeah. But I literally felt like I needed to just like be quiet and take it. Like, you yeah. know, because, you know, I, I'm here, I'm a female. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do? You're too old to go back to school. Yeah. Like, you're too old to do this. The t- the confidence. Just, and it's almost like yeah. the, the something in your head. Yeah, yeah. The conversations you that you have in your and head, you the negativity, yeah. the devil, whatever you yeah, want to call exactly. it, is like telling you you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to do and this. You you're not working. And anyway. you just continue. And yeah. then the abuser yeah. is almost like yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And then you start believing yeah. those things. Yeah. And you just, yeah. I mean, it was five years yeah. you yeah. were. And, and the truth is that people don't. I don't, I don't know. I still kind of believe that people don't necessarily like, how can I say, abuse people intentionally. Because, you know, there's child abuse. Yeah. There are parents, you know, yeah, correct. child abuse. There's a, like, I remember also like growing up as a child, I could never get in trouble in school because I knew if I got home, I was going to get it again. Yeah. Whether I was wrong, whether I was correct. right. And I feel that a lot of that has to still affect me today. Like, I'm afraid of getting in trouble because even though I know I was defending myself, like, I don't know. And I need to get over that. Yeah. I need to get over the fact that, like, I need to do what's right. Correct. Regardless. Regardless. Then, then whatever. Because I know that I've been in situations that I know what's right, but I do it because, but I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm afraid that, that you know, that they're going to be mad at me. I'm afraid that. Well, it's the acceptance thing. Exactly. It goes back yeah. to wanting to get an approval exactly. from this person. Yeah. 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 And so doing whatever exactly. to get their approval. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the inside, do you feel like a little bit of you kind of just almost is taken away because you're like, this is not what I want to do, but I want to get approval. So I'm going to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you feel bad about yourself and you're yeah. walking around like, you know, like, you know, like, I know I deserve better. I know I could do this better. But, like, you don't, you get there because you, you it's a psychological thing. Yeah. Like, to yeah. believe that you're not good enough. That, Correct. That you can do better. Especially when you're in a relationship when the person is, like, the source of everything. Like, mm-hmm. the source of maybe financially, maybe also, like, you, you get your encouragement from. Correct. And, um... It's, it's it's they're kind of controlling. Yeah, they almost control yeah. a lot of and things, and they control it to in a way where to make you believe. Correct, like, like you need them, yeah, or they need you need them, or like you can't do it without them, or how are you gonna do it, or you know, and it's 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 sad. It's sad because for me at least, I like admire these people. Like yeah. I have such a uh, high expect not expectation maybe, but like everything that I want. Everything yeah. that I feel that, like, man, I wish that. And, and that's why I let myself go, because you believe. Yeah, when you correct. believe in something, you just... I was believing in the wrong thing. Yeah. My faith has was been in people instead correct, of putting my correct, faith correct. in my God. Yeah. And that's what I'm learning. And it wasn't until I learned that, that I've been able to 
get into the program, to live one day at a time, to understand that, like, not everybody's not like me, but that's okay. Yeah. So the people that are supposed to be in my life will Correct, me correct, will, correct, and, correct. And then, you know, um, there's this one verse in the Bible that I really enjoy. It's um, I don't even know in what book, but it's like, it's a proverb, like, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So you need to, I've learned that I need to surround myself with people that are like correct. me. Correct. I've said that. Faith. Yep. No, I've said that. that. Now, nobody's perfect and we're always... But having an open mind... Yeah. Like, if I am not interested in in, in whatever, golf. Hey, that's okay, but you know what? And you're like, hey, you know what, Marie? Let's go golfing. I'm going to go because I love you. Yeah. I'm going to go because I know that's what you enjoy. So instead of, like, making it about me yeah. and being... No, I, I, I'm going to go because, A, I'm supporting my friend. B, I, I'm going to learn. Yeah. So, yeah, you can always learn something. And I, I'm all, now what I'm focusing on is talking less, listening, and paying attention. Correct. And I'm able to do that now because I'm sober. Yeah. I'm able to do that now because I'm not thinking about myself. I'm able to do that because now, I, you know what, I let someone else be the, the, the life of the party. I don't yeah. have yeah, to yeah, be yeah. the life of the party every right. time. Trying I don't get that have acceptance. to be the attention yeah. all the time. I don't. And honestly, I feel so much better. Not yeah. having that pressure. So how did you, one, get out of that relationship? Like, what made you walk away? Well, it, it was being compromised. I was already in a situation where I was being compromised. When you say compromised... Like, for example, um, simple things. For example, if, 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 let's say, okay, so we lived in South Dallas. South Dallas is not a very safe demographic in mm-hmm. the community. But as a female, like... You know, then I, I'm uh, South Dallas predominantly is a black community. Mm-hmm. I'm not black. I'm Latino. So I stick out as a sore thumb in that yeah. area. So just things, basic things like, oh, let's go into this corner store, which is sometimes a liquor store, and not worrying about me as a female late yeah. at night. Like, what, like sending me to do Yeah, to go get stuff in the night. It, like, yeah. that's not safe. Correct. You know, or just... So, your well-being. My well-being. Your well-being. My well-being. Your safety. It wasn't until I literally felt that my well-being was... Because before, me drinking, me partying, me doing crazy things, me accepting uh, other women or things, in the, all that, like I felt like... But when it was... I started noticing that it was compromising me as my person. Yeah. That like... I, that's when I realized like... You know, and, and then I was not a working, good situation. Yeah, but at the same time, I was working in my relationship with my dad. So, because I was already in a better place with my father, I was like, I, I know that I couldn't do it for my mom. I, yeah. I, I don't know if this makes sense. Because my mom passed away and she wasn't around, I felt that I was able to do whatever I wanted because nobody was watching. Yeah. And I didn't care about my father because yeah. I was mad at him. Now that I, I feel like I, my relationship with my dad is restored, yeah. I have someone else that's looking after me. Yeah, Someone correct. else yeah. to be... That I, I need to make proud. Yeah. And it took me a this well, long time, yeah. To also to learn that. But yeah. to learn that like I was being compromised, that I could have easily been raped, something would have happened. You know, and, and nobody cares. So that's when you know, like really, like when you know, because sometimes you can put up with a lot of things, but when it's really like your well being, yeah, you're not and happy, your safety, yeah, the combination. Safety. Yeah. And honestly, if I would have kept in that relationship, things would two things would have happened. I I think I would have either been institutionalized, like yeah. in a in a rehab or yeah, like, correct. or dead. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Because so, either I would have killed myself, I would have killed my partner. Yeah, something, correct, nothing, correct. Nothing, it have been so what do you say to people who are currently in, ab- one, abusive relationships, 
What do you say to those who are kind of going through that right now? All I can say is to be honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you're never going to get out there. When I was in that relationship, I felt like entitled. I felt like I deserved it. I felt that I had worked so hard that regardless to whatever was going on, I was going to stay there because that's, it was mine. I had put the work at, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's all ego. You can't let that ego. So all I can say is just let the ego go and to be honest with yourself and to get the help that you need. Like help is available. It's available, but we need to ask for it. No one deserves, no one deserves to be somewhere when they're not happy. Yeah. Especially when they're being abused, exploited, taken for granted and compromised. And the same thing for any type of addiction. Anything, anything. You yeah. Know, whether it's health, whether it's doing drugs, whether it's eating, whether Correct. it's, you know, not taking care. Gambling. I mean, there's so anything. many types or of just, addiction. Or just not being healthy, not being a healthy yeah. individual and not Correct. caring for your health. Not going Correct. to the doctor, not taking your medication as prescribed yeah. or not doing what you need to do. Like, follow yeah. through, you know? Correct. Um, but it, it's... Um, and and God, for me, God, yeah. and having a some a belief in something bigger than yourself, yeah. And it doesn't have, whatever it has to be, you know. I'm not a theologian or I'm yeah, not, correct. You know, but I definitely believe that you have to believe in something bigger than yourself, and it could be God, as you understand. It could be whether it's a support group, whether it's your yeah. religion, a community, it's, something, anything. Yeah, it's important, but yeah. uh, one day at a time. Keep yeah. coming back. If you make a mistake, just admit to it. Correct. Talk about it identify what you can do different and keep pressing forward yeah and don't be scared you know and there's always gonna be that fear correct always correct. always correct. and there's always gonna be mean people yeah and there's all that that's just the world we correct need. that's just yeah but the, the the good thing is that there's there's so many resources out there for us to take advantage of yeah to be able to manage our lives on a daily basis correct. and be better you know yeah because at the end of the day we're all gonna die yeah. And when you die, it's like, what you leave? Like, Correct. What, exactly. What, what were you known exactly. for? Exactly. What did you leave like, what, to? Yeah. What were yeah. you known for? Yeah. Yeah, you got kids and everything, but what is the legacy? Yeah. How Correct. did you give back? Yeah. What did you do that was bigger than yourself? Correct. Because that's why we're ultimately exactly. here. I've always exactly. thought that way. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Because you could be doing great and you could be everything on paper. Perfect yeah. on paper. Correct. And that's, but what did you do for someone exactly. else? Exactly. Because that's, that's who I was. For me, it was everything that was on paper. Yeah. Everything. How did I look? Yes. How did I look to be exactly. accepted to this for this exactly. person? Yeah. Exactly. And at the end of the day, what's the point? At the end of the day, like, you don't give back. Yeah. You don't give back. There's, there's there, everything that you work for, everything is just like a, like a shell. Yeah. Correct. There's nothing there. There's and nothing. I can t- honestly speak for that because I've been there. I've been in the you know, the big house, the big, the fancy car, the thing, yeah. but literally being in that, but not being part of it, like, you, you and not know, being present, not being it's present. like you were there, but yeah, you were, but, but, but like a, like an object, yeah, correct, and, and being correct. objectified as well, yeah, you know what I mean, correct. To, to look a certain way, yep. to be a certain, yep, it's not, I mean, a good place to be. all I can say is that, like, nobody deserves that, and there's always better, and as long as you believe in something bigger than yourself, and get out of yourself, you're going to be fine. Yeah, and recognize it. Yeah. Recognize it. And be grateful. And yeah. be grateful for like your life, your health, everything you have, the roof yeah. over your head, the most minimal things because yeah. we, we are so blessed. Yeah. Like, honestly, it's one of those things that like, we take everything for granted that we're just like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's not about... But it does. It does. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Where thank today you. we talked about the AA meeting, addiction, and again, that could be anything. Maria talked about alcohol addiction, um, but it could be anything that we've talked about in the past. And we also talked about abuse. So thank you for joining us on the podcast, Your Life Transform, The Journey to Become a Better You. 
I'm your host, Dr. Hamilton. Join us next time where we talk about another important subject. Don't forget to send me an email, leave me a voice message, or um, go to our website, abetterwaycenter.com, on our Facebook page. Um, And let's talk about topics that you guys want to talk about. Thank you very much for being on the show. Until next time. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast, Your Life Transformed. We're on this podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hamilton, and we talk about everything from weight loss to wellness to truly how to live your best life on this journey to transform and to become better. Today's podcast is going to be answering questions from the audience and the listeners that was left on the Facebook page or on the website. And so today I have a very special guest who is going to represent the audience questions. It is my operations manager. It is my husband. So essentially, my everything. Stanley Hamilton, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Well, thank you for being here. Um, So we've seen several questions that came through um, the website and the Facebook page. And so I thought it'd be good to... Um, start answering those as a podcast. And honestly, I want to encourage all of you, though, all of you out there to continue to send in your questions. Um, oh, and guess what? We have a new website, yourlifetransformed.health. Um, sounds like it's spelled. So go ahead and send your comments or questions or if you would like to be a guest on the podcast because you went through a transforming journey, be my guest. Um, but today we are going to start with um, some of these questions. So, Stanley, what are some of the questions that came through? We'll just start with the first one. Um, so, you know, being an operations uh, manager I and, off, and operations officer, I actually ran into a lot of questions from patients because I worked with them directly. And the questions they had in office actually correlated really closely to what we saw on the Facebook page. So, Probably the the first question I have here is uh, patients want to know when should I consider bariatric surgery? Yeah, that is a question that we get a lot. And I think that's important to answer here. And I will start off by saying I am biased. I am a bariatric surgeon. So I and I understand the benefits of bariatric surgery and I also understand the risk. So with that being said, I would recommend bariatric surgery to anyone 50 pounds or more overweight that have been struggling with that same weight, I would say for more than a couple years. So not, not, I just had a baby and I gained 50 pounds and I need to lose it real quick. These are people that have been struggling with that same 50, 60, 70 pounds or more for years. They lose it, they regain it, they lose it, they regain it. I think those patients would be great candidates and actually have had really good success for the patients that I've done bariatric surgery on. So that's kind of my answer. If you're 50 pounds overweight and you have a medical problem, for sure, I think you should consider bariatric surgery, hypertension, diabetes, um, what we call metabolic syndrome, PCOS, difficulty having kids, et cetera, et cetera. My criteria is not necessarily the insurance criteria. So that's kind of my textbook blank answer, 50 pounds, struggling for a while. I think you should consider it. Talk to your doctor, talk to your surgeon, um, talk about the risk and benefits. The insurance answer 
is typically 100 pounds overweight um, or, or less with a medical problem. And they usually go based on BMI. So BMI of 35 or greater with a medical problem or a BMI of 40. So 35 or greater can be anywhere from 70 pounds to 100 pounds overweight. Medical problems would be hypertension, diabetes for sure, obstructive sleep apnea. Cholesterol doesn't necessarily qualify you. Um, Reflux doesn't necessarily qualify you. It has to be a major medical problem. If you've had a stroke, that may qualify you or a heart attack. So from an insurance standpoint, that is the answer in order the when you should consider bariatric surgery for a lot of bariatric surgeons it starts before then so that's kind of my response to that what are some other questions that came through all right so the next question that was pretty popular was which surgery should i choose okay so um essentially I, you, in order to decide which surgery you should choose, you should have a serious conversation with your surgeon. Um, this is the way I kind of talk to my patients about it. So first of all, let's talk about the types of surgeries. Most of the people honestly coming into the office for the most part knew the types of surgeries. Um, there's the lap band, which is pretty much not done anymore. So I'm going to kind of take that off the table. And even in my own practice, I took that off the table. And then there is the gastric sleeve, which is the most popular. The way I describe that one is you go from a football size to a banana size, um, and it literally looks like a sleeve. So that's one of the most ones that people come into the office wanting. The other surgery is a gastric bypass. It's been around forever, um, a significantly long time, and it has gone through different transformations, hence the name of the show. Um, It has become significantly safer, and it's pretty consistent. And then the other surgery is called the duodenal switch. That's been around for a while, but not a lot of surgeons do it because of the risk of nutritional deficiencies. Um, But that one is more for patients who have a higher weight loss, more weight to lose. So that is actually for a BMI of 50 or higher. So let's kind of just start with that one. Patients who come in with a higher BMI, 50, 60, 70, 80 plus, I usually recommend the duodenal switch. You have the best chance of losing the most amount of weight. And that's also the surgery where you have the least amount of relapse as far as weight regain goes. So that's kind of the first one. So the duodenal switch, which is a combination of a sleeve and a gastric bypass, I usually recommend those for higher BMI patients, 50. And it's hard to tell you their weight because a lot of people don't understand BMI, but we did talk about this on a previous um, podcast, and you can calculate BMI on our website, but because it's hard to go based on weight. You know, if you're shorter and you weigh more, you have a higher BMI. So for me to say three, 400 pounds, it totally depends on your weight, because if you're taller, you may not meet that criteria. So higher BMIs, I would recommend the duodenal switch. There are risks to that though, so you need to talk to your surgeon. The other one, um, I always say for my sugar cravers, um, I would do uh, the gastric bypass. The bi- gastric bypass bypasses the pancreas um, and the mechanism for insulin and a lot of those things. I won't go into a lot of scientific detail, but it does help with um, sugar cravings for those who have them because the gastric sleeve, which 
I would say is for people who are just kind of struggling with weight. There are the lower BMIs or the middle of the road BMIs who've been struggling with that same weight for years, but pretty much have no other issues holding them back as far as like um, cravings or, you know, stuff like that. It's just their appetite. The gastric sleeve would be the better surgery. Um, So for the going back to the gastric bypass, people who have less control issues, and that's why it's important to get with a bariatric surgeon who really wants to get to know you and they can kind of help guide you on what's going to be the best surgery because those patients who have um, more difficult controlling certain craven, cravings, emotional eating, sugar cravings, that I would recommend the gastric bypass if you don't have the higher BMI because that's just a stronger tool to kind of help you with those particular issues because of the mechanism of the gastric bypass. A lot of people have concerns about it, but my diabetic patients, I don't even go to the sleeve. I just jump automatically to the gastric bypass because it's been proven to resolve diabetes 99 to 100%. Um, If you have gastric reflux disease, I recommend the gastric bypass because the sleeve can worsen your gastroesophageal reflux disease. And again, the gastric bypass has been proven to completely resolve it. Mind you, the duodenal switch has also shown some of these benefits, but if you don't have the higher BMI, you're not even going to qualify for it and it's not worth getting it. So um, those are kind of my, how do I choose? It depends on what are some of your concerns, both as far as medical problems go, and then also as far as um, uh, cravings, what type of eater are you, what are some of your habits? And so those are things that you need to discuss with your surgeon, and hopefully they're in a position that they can help guide you. There are some people who just do feel surgeons that feel more comfortable with one or another. Um, You know, they do more sleeves, so they just feel comfortable with sleeves, so they're going to give you a sleeve. But it's really important that you kind of do your own research, ask questions, talk to other people who've had it, go on online and find support groups, talk to other people about their experiences. Mind you, keeping in mind everybody's experience is different, but it's very important that you kind of have an understanding of the different types of surgeries and the benefits of each of the different types of surgeries. So I hope that kind of answered that question. Um, I'll kind of sum it up again at the end as far as gastric sleeve, gastric bypass, and duodenal switch as far as those three. I do not recommend the band um, for anybody. And and then to kind of throw in about revisions because a lot of people have the lap band. I prefer converting my lap bands to bypasses than I do sleeves only because a lot of times the lap band patients have a a pretty oversized gastric pouch because of the band. Um, And so a lot of times when they do the sleeve, that pouch is still there. A lot of surgeons just staple up to that gastric pouch and you end up with like a muffin top. And I've noticed a lot of patients who have that muffin top Um, You don't get the results that you want. You lose weight initially, but then you regain. So the best um, option, I think, for a lap band patient is to convert to the bypass because I think it'll be a stronger tool. 
a lot of times when the lap band comes off, it's just, oh my gosh, I can eat because you're not choking on food, you're not vomiting on food. And so the sleeve, a lot of times people, not everyone, but will just kind of eat through the gastric sleeve and it's it will not have been very beneficial. Okay, Stanley, that was a little bit long-winded, but I think it was important to kind of go over those points. What is the <clears throat> next common question? So the next, well, common question, but it was actually uh, a question that's asked probably more often than, you know, I could answer for a lot of patients was, what are the risks of surgery? Yeah, I think that's important, too, to kind of talk about the risk. Um, again, if you talk to a primary care doctor, they will give you a different answer. But as bariatric surgeons, we actually do this a lot and we see the risk. I truly feel like the risk for many compared to the benefit is minimal. The actual stated risk is less than 1%. Um, for leaks, for major bleeding events, um, for anything, death, is it's, it's even less than that. So for any major event that you can think of, pulmonary embolism, a, a leak, um, death, a heart attack on the table, um, some of these other things, the risk of that is actually very low. Um, the risk of pneumonia, however, is a little bit higher. The risk of a DVT in your lower extremities is a little bit higher. It could be anywhere from 2 to 5%. Again, these things won't kill you, though. These things can be treated. A UTI can be common after surgery. A skin infection, it can be high. That's probably one of the highest, anywhere from 8 to 10%. But again, that can be treated with antibiotics. That can be treated in the office. Um, the risk of stricture for a gastric bypass um, and even a gastric sleeve nowadays, we're seeing those is a little bit high, is higher, maybe about at 3%. But again, those risks are still relatively low. Um, major complications after bariatric surgery are significantly low. For me, the, the benefits completely outweigh the risk because I know the benefits. Bariatric surgery, in my opinion, truly can save lives. Um, so I think it's totally worth um, the risk because I feel like, I feel like, Patients can die from their medical problems. So if you have hypertension or diabetes, your risk of dying from that is higher than your risk of dying from a bariatric surgery. And so I totally think that the risks are worth it. For some reason, bariatric surgery has gotten a bad rep over the years and have scared a lot of people, but there's nothing really to be scared of. It's, it's shown to be significantly safe. I mean, it's changed and transformed so much over the years. Like we do mostly everything laparoscopic now, even revisions or robotic. Patients are going home the same day, the next day, in a couple of days. There's no more open surgeries really in long hospital stays that, that, that kind of, you know, start the, these higher risk, um, you know, post-op complications. I think that... Um, if you've had a previous bariatric surgery, your risk is going to be higher. I mean, there's nothing that you can do about that, but it's up to your surgeon to kind of explain those risks. Um, and you can decide if it's worth it for you. The more bariatric surgeries you have, the higher your risk is going to be. The higher your weight is, the higher your risk are going to be. To be honest, I don't think it's so much the bariatric surgery 
as it is the patient that brings the risk to the table. Your diabetes is a risk factor. Your high blood pressure is a risk factor. Your weight is a risk factor. If anything, the surgery is going to help that. You would be a risk for any other surgery. I have so many patients who come in that are scared of bariatric surgery. So a lot of them come in initially just for weight loss or to get questions answered, which is fine. And I'm like, your hysterectomy or your knee replacement or your heart bypass is a higher risk than a bariatric surgery. And mind you, I come from the general surgery well. I truly believe a bad gallbladder is higher risk than a bariatric surgery because we can kind of fix some of those um, risk factors that you come in with. See your heart doctor and get cleared. You know, we have all these clearances that you would need to do to try to maximize the benefit of bariatric surgery. So some of the risk, as previously stated, um, to kind of sum it up are heart attack on the table, pulmonary embolism, which you can die from, death, um, a leak, which is probably the most feared, but does not happen that often. You can get strictures, which can be common, but not that common. And all those can be treated endoscopically, believe it or not. A lot of the strictures can. You can get skin infections, especially if you're already prone um, to skin infections, cysts, abscesses. You can get those. Um, you can get pneumonia after surgery, so it's important to deep breathe. And we try to go over this with you in the hospital. You can get blood clots in your legs, um, which that's why we want you guys to walk and move around. You can get UTIs. You can get vitamin deficiencies, um, but again, those can be prevented if you take your vitamins. Those are another one that's most feared because vitamin deficiencies can be pretty significant. But again, all that can be prevented if you take your vitamins. You can get IV therapy, which we offer in the office for those who can't take their vitamins. A lot of people have nausea and vomiting after surgery. That can be normal. Pain after surgery also is normal, but it's minimal. So the risks are no more than the risk of any other surgery. So don't let your primary care doctor scare you, your OB, whoever it is. You truly need to get information from a bariatric surgeon. Or again, talk to other people who've gone through it. Of course, you'll run into the one or two, that 1% of people who've had bad complications. But that is not the norm. That is rare. So again, the risks are minimal. Um, and I truly do believe the benefits of the surgery completely outweigh the risk. All right, Stanley, do we have any other questions that you seem to get on a regular basis or anything else that came through? Um, no, those were the three um, most common questions. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, questions that people ask that, you know, I was able to answer a lot, but those are the the three most common that I thought were were always best for you to really dive into the patient with. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. And like I said, go ahead and send in other questions through our new website, yourlifetransformed.health, or through our Facebook page, which is still A Better Way Center. Um, a Better Way Center is our Facebook page. Or email us. If you're one of our patients or common listeners, all that information can be on the website. So let me just kind of recap. When should I consider um, bariatric surgery? In my opinion, and this is not based on insurance, whenever you've been struggling with the same 50 pounds for years, 
you lose it, you regain it, um, and it will not go away. I think you should consider almost a metabolic reset, and that's what surgery does. From an insurance perspective, you have to have a BMI of 35 with a medical problem, as such as hypertension, obstructive sleep apnea, diabetes, something along those lines, or a BMI of 40 with no medical problems. That's from an insurance perspective, if your insurance covers it. Um, the As far as which bariatric surgery you should choose, the gastric sleeve, I think, is best for patients who have a BMI between 30 and 45 even, with um, minimal medical problems, uh, such as if you're diabetic, I would not recommend the gastric sleeve. You can get it. And it would be, and it would help you, but that, I don't think that's your best option. It's a better option, but it's not your best option. I would recommend the gastric sleeve for patients who have a large appetite because it will help with that. Um, and patients who just almost need like a metabolic reset. That's kind of their biggest problem. They just have difficulty losing weight. I would recommend the gastric bypass for that same BMI range. Um, but also have things like stress eating, emotional eating, you're diabetic, you have really severe reflux, you have gastroparesis, either from an unknown cause or from your diabetes, um, you have bad sugar cravings or even carb cravings because the mechanism of the gastric bypass, it's a stronger tool um, because of the rerouting and I think it will help you and be a stronger tool for those particular issues. If you have concerns about the gastric bypass, I have plenty of patients who had a family member or a friend who didn't do well with the gastric bypass. They had vitamin deficiencies or even had a comp major complication or death. Don't get the gastric bypass. If you have things going on in your head that are saying, I have concerns or I'm afraid of the gastric bypass, don't get it. Even if you have those problems, the gastric sleeve is better than still much significantly better than nothing. So I would just get the gastric sleeve, although the, the gastric bypass profile is very safe. It's probably the most safe now than it has ever been. Um, the other thing is the duodenal switch, which again is a combination of the gastric sleeve and uh the gastric bypass in the sense that you get rerouted. Um, I think these are for patients with a higher BMI, meaning a BMI of 50, 60, 70 on up. It does the same thing that a gastric bypass does. So it's great for diabetes. It's great for gastroesophageal reflux disease. Um, and then obviously it, you lose the most weight with the um, duodenal switch. But I wouldn't get that if you have a lower BMI um, because you also get um, nutritional deficiencies, which can be monitored. You don't have to get def def uh, nutritional deficiencies. That's probably the most feared, believe it or not, even outside of leaks with the duodenal switch is the nutritional deficiencies. But I've done several and none of my patients thus far has had nutritional deficiencies. So just to kind of calm your concerns or fears about it, you don't have to get those. But the risk of that is high because of the rerouting. You're much more rerouted further down the line, so to speak, 
than you are with the gastric bypass. So that's why you lose more weight, but that's also why you're at higher risk for nutritional deficiencies. So I would only recommend that one for the higher BMI because we've seen literally weight loss in the 200s with the duodenal switch. And not everybody even has that much weight to lose. So those are kind of the options as far as which surgery should I choose. And again, as for the risk of surgery, there are risks. There's risk of nutritional deficiencies, heart attack. There's risk of death. There's risk of dehydration is common. Nausea, vomiting is common. There's risk of um, blood clots in the legs. There's risk of blood clots in the lungs. We do things to kind of prevent those. There's risk of pneumonia post-op, skin infections, intra-abdominal infections. There's risk of leaks. But again, the major complications, which I've stated earlier, the risk of those are very low. And as stated earlier, I think having done the other surgeries, your risk of a hysterectomy, a gallbladder removal, a cabbage is significantly higher than your risk of a bariatric surgery. So I would much rather give patients a bariatric surgery than five years later, they have to undergo a cabbage because they've had a heart attack because they didn't get the bariatric surgery. And so I think there's a lot of benefits to bariatric surgery, and I understand I am biased because I'm a bariatric surgeon, but I've seen the benefits. And I can probably count on one hand the amount of complications. And even the people who've had strictures or whatever that I've had in my practice, they would recommend uh, bariatric surgery any day. Some of the things that I do want to talk about um, as far as complications that are not necessarily listed in textbooks is things like some of the mental components of bariatric surgery. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to go through. It's hard to change your mindset. Um, The divorce rate is high in bariatric surgery. Some of the loose skin, but that's not a complication. It's something that you just have to kind of live with. People often will still see themselves as a big person even though they've lost all those all the weight. Those are things that we will talk about in future um, podcasts because those are things that are often unsaid in the textbook or even when you go to your surgeon's office to talk about bariatric surgery. There are other unsaid or unspoken, so to speak, what could be considered complications. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast your life transformed, the journey to become a better you. I'm your host, Dr. Hamilton. Continue to send in your questions. Um, can send in, continue to send in comments. Can please like us, download us, review us. And again, if you have a journey, uh, a health journey to tell, please um, contact us on our website and um, We will invite you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Until next time on the podcast, Your Life Transformed.